Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll wait till you're there. 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, happy day. Now, I'll just give you a word of warning. I have, been, I have been singing more and more in my preaching, so it could be that I could break out into that song anytime during the, so just get ready. Oh, boy, somebody says. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the guy that played the, the fiddle that was so bad or the violin and he had a, com- Jack Benny, Jack Benny years ago was at Carnegie Hall, and they brought him on, and he started playing the fiddle. Uh, Moshe Diane was there, who was a leader in uh, uh, Israel at that time, and I remember him. He always had that black eye patch on. You remember, you remember him? Some way well, you old-timers do. Well, when, as soon as Jack Benny started playing the, the violin and the fiddle and started singing, they said Moshe Diane took his eye patch off and put it on one ear. So it could be that's what you'd be tend to do. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, it says 12, but let's start with verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not again. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, our faith is vain, and you're yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And before I read the last verse, isn't it rather ironic of all the people, skeptics and doubters and atheists and agnostics, that want to put an if in front of the resurrection, the very first person to do that was Paul. To contrast the risen Savior. It's not a a take it or leave it thing. Either Jesus rose from the dead and is king of glory and the only way to heaven, or he did not. There's nothing in between. Either Jesus is Lord or lunatic, or liar. And I choose to believe that he is Lord. Now, continue on. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Father, take the few words that we will speak here this morning, and I am believing, God, they will be life and light to those that hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. Hey, Norm, I heard you. Good to see you. Hey, you're back from, yeah, him and Karen. Some people's problem is concerning Jesus, they have a misconception of who Jesus is. The idea is that Jesus is meek and mild and lowly, and he's someone to be trampled upon, and you just take him or leave him, and and he's kind of weak and namby-pamby, and that is totally false. 
a misconception of who Jesus is. The thief that went on the Oceanside house, he had found out that the owners were going to be gone that night. He breaks in at 2 o'clock at night. He is there rummaging through whatever he can find to steal. And about that time, he hears these words that just brings the hair up on the back of his neck. Sicking Jesus. And he's got that flashlight and he turns where that came from and it was a parrot. And he goes, oh, you stupid bird. You scared me half to death. And from the other direction, he hears this sound. That really, that really puts the hair up on the back of his neck. He hears, swings around with a flashlight, and there's the meanest, baddest-looking Doberman pincher he has ever seen in all of his days. And he hears the parrot off to the distance say, say hello to Jesus. Forty-eight major prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus. Forty-eight. He would be born of a virgin. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be betrayed. He would be crucified. He would be resurrected. I have 43 more to go. And for all 48 to be accomplished and to happen, it would be one chance in 10 trillion for that to have just happened. That estimates in quarters being stacked one foot tall and one quarter in all of those being gold, a gold quarter. And if you would stack all of those up and somewhere there is one gold quarter and you've got to find, but now... You are blindfolded on top of that, and you've got to pick one quarter. And you think, man, that would be pretty astronomical for something like that to happen if they would be stacked up a foot high on top of this platform. And one being gold, and you picking that out, and you being blindfolded to boot. But that's not, that's not the geography. The, uh, the geography for all of that, you being able to pick out that quarter, a foot, a foot stack, one gold quarter and the whole thing, and you're blindfolded, it's not the geography of this platform. It's the equivalent geography of a state the size of Texas. So the idea that just anybody could have been the Savior, oh, no, 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 no. Those fulfilled prophecies about Jesus puts a backbone in my faith and lets me know what I believe is true. God told Moses, I will meet you above the mercy seat between the two cherubims. Isn't it incredible that when Jesus arose, there were two angels, one on each side. God saying, here is my meeting place, exactly what happened with Jesus rising up from the dead. He is God's meeting place for mankind. Preacher, I don't understand the resurrection. Well, come on. I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk and yellow butter, but it happens every day. 
So the idea that we've got to believe and be able to believe and to understand every intricacy about everything before we can believe it, come on. We don't. You don't understand how your TV works, right? I know you, yeah. Don't understand how electricity works, yet we enjoy it every day. Preacher, if you would choose one word to describe Christianity, what would that word be? Resurrection. That'd be my word of choice. For hundreds of years, churches in Eastern Bloc countries, pastors get up on Easter Sunday and say, he is risen. And the congregation in mass, in unison says, he is risen indeed. Let's do that today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. Most churches, the word resurrection and the whole message of resurrection is preached one time a year, and what a shame that is. I believe that resurrection ought to be preached all the time because there again, that is the, cru the crux of everything. If he didn't resurrect, he's not the Savior. He had to resurrect. What can I use here? That one's hooked up. That one. Here, we'll use this one. Our faith is a tripod. There is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You take one away, and it will not stand. One away, and it will not stand. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that it was the death, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why when I lead someone in a sinner's prayer, that's why I talk to them about being saved, I always, always, always tell them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That puts the punch in what we believe. It really does. Now, let's travel back 4,000 years. How many's got an imagination? 38 people. <laughs> I want you to imagine with me as we travel back 4,000 years to the time of Moses where God institutes all of the sacrifice, everything that the Jewish people's faith will be built upon and the Judeo-Christian faith will be built upon because all of what they were doing was a picture of what was going to happen. This here, you got to, again, you got to use your imagination. This here is the brazen altar. Looks like oak to me, preacher. Use your imagination. This is the brazen altar where they brought the sacrifice and the sacrifice was given up to God. From the brazen altar, which was in the tabernacle, from there, and this place where we're in right here, is the holy place. With the brazen altar, where the sacrifice was given, 
From there, to go into the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go there, and that one time a year. He had to go beyond the veil. And the veil was four inches thick. Josephus said two yoke of oxen, one on each end, could not rip it apart. And yet, that is the very veil that when Jesus Christ was crucified, the Bible says the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. God took his hands and tore the veil asunder to make way for whosoever will. But in 4,000 years ago, the sacrifice was given. They, here is the veil. The veil was made of blue, which represented God. The veil was made of red, which represented man. And the veil was made of purple, which represented the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was, in, when I was a kid, they had the Wayne City uh, skating rink. How many, how many remembers the Wayne City? Yeah, oh, yeah, what a happening place. <laughs> and I had a pair of skates that I had painted the wheels, I thought, well, my two favorite colors are red and blue. So I'd painted the wheels red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. And then much to my delight, and I didn't realize this was going to happen, when I skated, those wheels were purple. That was the coolest deal. That was the coolest deal. So on the veil... Blue representing God, red representing man, and you bring both of them together, it is the Lord Jesus, the God-man. So there's the, there you go, you got the sacrifice, you've got the veil, and from there you come to the Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones has been looking for this for years and years. It's here in Orchardville. <laughs> and don't anybody look inside. How many saw the movie? Yeah. <clears throat> Once a year, the high priest took the blood of the sacrifice. He went beyond the veil and then sprinkled the blood. And what the blood did, because inside was, anybody want to guess? The main thing that was inside, yes. That's right, the Ten Commandments. What's your name? John, you did a great job. The Ten Commandments. God had to look through the blood upon the Ten Commandments because without the blood, we were all men most miserable and there was no way we could earn and be good enough for God's acceptance. But because the blood was sprinkled, then he could look through that and the commandments had been not kept, but the commandments had been broken. Thank God for the blood. When I hear somebody say, oh, I'm living by the Ten Commandments and that's going to save me, it will not. It cannot. I know this is bad vernacular, but you ain't that good. You're going to trip up somewhere. The Ten Commandments was never, ever meant to save us. It cannot save us. It can show us that we need a Savior. 
because we've all sinned. So here is the blood was sprinkled by the high priest. Now watch this. Between the time, because there would have been other priests, not there, but there would have been other priests here in the holy place, but only one, the great high priest in the holy of holies. He takes the blood in a basin and from there walks beyond the veil and then sprinkles the blood upon the mercy seat. This two compartments, Ark of the Covenant, right here, mercy seat. The mercy seat. Between the time he gathers the blood and goes here, nobody can touch him. Can't be touched. The Lord Jesus, we hear this over and over and rightfully so, but there's another component in this. The Lord Jesus is our sacrifice. Thank God for it. That's what the burnt, that's what this right here is for. The burnt altar right here was for the sacrifice. There's another component. Another component. The other component is there's a legal right and reason why Jesus had to be resurrected. He also is not only our sacrifice, he is our great high priest. He's the only one that can do this job. He gathers his blood that was not spilt and wasted like you'd spill a glass of milk. He gathers his blood that was shed for the remission of sins for the whole world from Adam until the last person that would ever draw breath. Whosoever will. Jesus takes that blood and is going to offer it in heaven itself because there is an actual Ark of the Covenant that's in heaven. You'll see it when you get there. And he's going to sprinkle his literal blood upon that literal Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, where the cherubims are. That is why when Mary Magdalene went to touch him, Jesus said, touch me not. This is the work of the great high priest that he's doing now. And he takes his blood, thank God for it, and sprinkles his own blood. And again, when you get to heaven, you will see the literal ark. You'll see the mercy seat, and you'll see the blood that he sprinkled upon that mercy seat. And when he was done with that, when he comes back to earth, he looks at, at uh, Thomas, one of the disciples, and says, Doubting Thomas, go right ahead and thrust your hand into the prince in my hand because he had already done that. He goes from telling Mary Magdalene, touch me not, to where after the blood was applied, then people could touch him. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. He's our sacrifice. The same person is our great high priest that sprinkles the blood. But he's not done. Because we have learned in 1 John, Jesus is also our advocate. He's the one, our intercessor. 
He speaks to God on our behalf. That's a good thing. Because you have got one that wants to speak against me, named the devil, and you've got the, you've got the Lord Jesus speaking to the Father good things about me. Thank God because of that. Thank God because of that. And when the high priest, when he is done from the sacrifice going beyond the veil, taking the blood, and then sprinkling the blood, he walks back through the veil, past the brazen altar, to the outside of the holy place where three million Jewish people were there waiting for this announcement. And the great high priest would step out of that area with three million strong people waiting for him and he would say, it is finished. And from that time until the following year, every Jewish person was covered by the grace of God. And I'm telling you, that's how powerful the blood is. And if the blood was that powerful in the Old Testament, the blood is 10,000 more times powerful in the New Testament. <laughs> if Christ be not risen, my grandpa is not in heaven. If Christ be not risen, my dad is not in heaven. If Christ be not risen, my mom is not in heaven. If Christ be not risen, there is no heaven. And if Christ be not risen, there is no new Jerusalem. And if Christ be not risen, there is no blessed hope. And if Christ be not risen, there is no rapture. But Paul says, oh, happy day. Glory be to God. Now Christ is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus is our sacrifice. We see it right there. Jesus is our great high priest. We see it right there. Jesus is our advocate. We can pray unto the unto God of heaven in the power and the might of the name of Jesus, and Jesus will speak up for me. He died on Calvary's cross. He was buried three days in a borrowed tomb. He only needed it for the weekend. Yeah. And he resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, happy day. Glory to God. And when we get to heaven, seated next to the heavenly Father, will be the God-man himself. Because that veil was blue representing God. It was red representing man. Adam literally means red. And you mix them both. And Jesus took upon himself the form of a human being, the form of a man, the form of a servant, God willing to come down to where we were, and God and man, the red and the blue makes a purple, the God-man. Hallelujah. 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 There's a reason why I get excited. I don't get excited about Lady Gaga. Is it Gaga? <clears throat> gag, gag. That's what it is. Uh. 
He died as my Savior. He resurrected as my high priest because only the high priest could do what was required. And Jesus forever lives as my advocate. Thank God. As the Lamb of God, he died for my sin. As a great high priest, the Lord Jesus rose for my justification. And as the advocate, he is my person that I go to for intercession. Thank God. Christ Jesus forever lives to make intercession for me. As my Savior, he died. As my great high priest, he rose. And as my intercessor, he pleads my case. Oh, happy day. Say that with me on three. You ready? One, two, three. Oh, happy day. One more time. One, two, three. Oh, happy day. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You get to heaven one of these days, you're going to say, man, that preacher, what he was preaching was true. There that Ark of the Covenant is. There the blood is on it. It was true. What he was saying was true. He got all sweaty and his forehead was shining and all that. <laughs> that veins out on his neck and he was true. Amen. Bow your heads, please. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord God, for the truth of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Up from the grave you arose the mighty triumph o'er your foes. Thank God. And Lord Jesus, if there's someone here this morning, on Easter Sunday, resurrection morning, maybe they've never said yes to you as Savior. God, I ask and pray that that becomes such a vivid moment right now that they know that you died upon the cross and rose again even for them. Let them know that. Let that explode within their life to where they know that's true. I'm believing that today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do things a little different. Would you keep your head bowed just for a moment? I want to ask a question. If you're here this morning, and you be honest, and I mean, <clears throat> be honest, open. If you're here this morning and you've never ever said yes to Jesus as your Savior, you know that He died for you. You know that He was dead in the ground for three days in that borrowed tomb. And on the third day, you know that He rose again. You know all these things. And now you know that you need Him as your Savior. If you know that, up in the balcony, I want to ask you if you would raise your hand. And let me know that, preacher, I do need Jesus in my life. I've never said yes to him. Up in the balcony, anybody? Any hands up in the balcony? Thank you. Now, on the main floor, anybody here, you'll be honest with me right now. Preacher, I know what you preach is God's word. I know it is. I know Jesus died. I know Jesus loves me but I've never accepted that in my, own, in my own heart as my salvation. If that explains you and describes you, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody here, thank you. Anybody else, thank you. Don't wanna miss your hand, raise it up high if you would. Anybody else? At least three hands this morning 
were raised. If those three that raised their hand, I would certainly like to pray with them. If they would stand right, just right where they're at. Just take take a stand and we'll pray for you right where you're at. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, there were others that raised their hand. I'm not a high pressure salesman. I just want to make this clear to you. I mean, you can receive Jesus Christ as your savior right now, right now. He did everything so that you could go to heaven. He loves you, but we've got to receive him. Little things mean a lot. He did the big part, but our part is just a little thing of praying and believing and receiving that forgiveness. Anybody else? All right, all right. Everyone else, you can look up this direction. And maybe uh, just for, uh, keep standing here, brother. Uh, I want you to just agree together and pray with this man as, as, as me and him pray. I'm going to pray. I want everybody to pray with me that, that really means this and means this in their heart. Dear God in heaven, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your son. I thank you for the resurrection. I receive you now, Lord. I thank you for dying for me. Take away my sin. Prepare a place for me in heaven. And I praise you with my heart for saving me this day. Amen. Amen. Brother, what's your name? Say it again. Jim. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus